This is Fighting for Fair, the podcast that brings you true stories about social justice. Remarkable Australians share stories about fighting for their right to a fair go. I'm Corinne Grant. I'm a graduate lawyer and I'm passionate about social justice and standing up for what's right. Con Karapanajetetis is an Australian to be proud of. CEO and founder of the Asylum Seekers Resource Centre, he works tirelessly to protect and support refugees who are trying to make Australia their home. He knows all too well how painful it feels not to belong and to have no sense of home. Growing up a Karapanajetetis in a small country town of Smiths and Joneses, life was tough and sometimes Con didn't think he could go on. This is Con's story. I have only one enduring happy memory of my childhood. Just one. And it's of my father, who had been up from 4am in the morning, working the tobacco fields, coming home every night with a chocolate bar for me. It didn't matter how long he'd been out there. It didn't matter how late it was. He would always remember me. And that was my father's way of showing his love for me. My father who had had to sacrifice his dreams of being a lawyer so that one day I could be. And I can still remember my late father's hands stained with the tobacco leaves, stained with a lifetime of sacrifice for me. There I am growing up in a little country town, and probably from the beginning I had no chance of ever really fitting in. Every other kid was a Jones or a Smith, and I was a Karapanayotidis. Greek without a doubt, Hairy beyond my years. And so desperate, so desperate to fit in. But I came from a family, from generations of people that never really belonged anywhere. Whether it was my grandparents as refugees who had to cross the land and flee their own country to be safe. Or whether it was my father crossing the sea seeking a better life in this country. And my memories of growing up in this little country town are ones of absolute grief and sorrow, are ones of horror, of being told, like a daily ritual, that I didn't belong. Of being told I was a dirty wog, that I should go back to where I came from. Of kids even making up limericks about my surname. What I knew and what I understood really early on was what it was like to not fit in. What it was like to belong nowhere. What it was like to have no sense of home or community. Like my parents still felt unlike my grandparents lived. 
I was moving from the country to the city and thinking things would be better. But the bullying that I experienced just changed. It's tone, that's all. Because I would read and I was awkward around girls. I was bullied and called a faggot. There was still racist bullying too. I remember hiding in the library at lunchtime so that people couldn't see just how alone and unwanted I was in this world. I remember trying to comfort myself to sleep in tears on my bed, wondering why I was someone that people hated so much. I can still remember uh, myself at 18, just staring at myself in the mirror with such a deep sense of disgust, with such a sense of shame. And I'd look at myself and I would ask myself, Con, how could anyone ever love this? How could any of this ever be redeemable, worth anything? How could you ever be loved? I wanted the earth to just swallow me whole, completely, right then and there, so I didn't have to suffer anymore. I thought to myself, well, there's kind of two ways to go here. One is, at some point, you're just going to end it all yourself. Or you're going to have to find a way through this. And I knew, bottled up, deep, deep inside of me, there was all this love, all this love, that it felt kind of like hidden from the world and just waiting to be given to someone or something. And I thought to myself, well, maybe... If I can't experience that love, if I can't have that love, and if all I'm feeling is that hate, that maybe I can take the love inside of me and give it to others. That maybe I can choose love, that I can lead with love, that I could be love, and that that one day might even make me worth, worth experiencing love. And that was a decision I made, I remember going, I'm going to go out there and I'm going to give that love and I'm going to be all the things that I wish I could have for myself to others. Over the next decade, I kept trying to, you know, reach out and, and find any group in any community that had been forgotten, that had been left behind, whether it was people living on the streets, whether it was young people at risk, whether it was people that had been abused or tortured. My first memory was in a homeless men's shelter with these men who had lost the universe and yet would take me to their bosom like a son that they hadn't seen for decades. And they would see me. These people who had lost everything would see me and I thought, I found my people. I found a place where I belong. The journey I was on was one of trying to find a place where I mattered and where I could help and where I could make a difference and where people needed me and wanted me for once in my life. I remember at 28, I started the Asylum Seeker Resource Center, trying to honor my grandparents. Refugees trying to honor my mother and father 
when I started the Asylum Seeker Resource Centre, it was about trying to create a home of hope, a place where people like me would have a, a home of welcome, a place they made sense, a place they belonged, because that's all refugees are seeking, a place where they belong. And I can think of 12,000 stories of 12,000 people that have come through our doors in the last 15 years. There were so many, full of hope and full of fleeting moments, fleeting moments of joy, and constant moments of despair. And the one moment that I kind of return to is finding myself sitting across from a father in an immigration detention center, a father that could have been my father, and he's begging, and he's weeping, and he's pleading with me. He's pleading with me because for the last three and a half years, him and his children and his wife have been locked up, and his little ten-year-old girl has already tried twice to take her own life, try to poison herself, do things that should exist nowhere in the imagination of a 10-year-old child. And I promise him, I promise him that I'll find a way for her to be safe as he offers up his own life to me and says, let me die in here, I don't care, just please promise me my little girl's going to be safe. And I give him my word. Later that night, there's a phone call and it's the same desperate voice, but with even a deeper sense of urgency. For his precious little girl, so small she wouldn't even come up to my waist, this precious little girl, let's try to hang herself with a bed sheet. Tiny hands meant she couldn't tie knots in a way that would see her leave this world and find some peace. I remember rushing to the hospital to try to be by her bedside and be met by guards. She was the threat. I was the enemy. I remember vowing that night that I would find a way out for her and her family. And I did. Kept fighting until she was free and her whole family were free. And it's one of those fleeting moments of happiness that I see where, where now every year this family's now safe. They're Australian citizens. Father calls me at Christmas to wish me a Merry Christmas. And it's this precious fleeting moment of joy that I hold on to. Because for every one of those stories and every one of those moments, there are thousands of others right now yearning for that freedom, dreaming to be free and safe, fighting in that limbo, searching for a place to call home, like I once as a child tried to find, like my parents saw, like my grandparents yearned for. And this is why I fight. 
This is why it's in the blood. And this is why I'll keep doing this until my last breath. For we should all be free and safe. Con learned how to turn his own pain and turmoil into a gift of love for others. He's passionate about making Australia a true home for all of us, not just the privileged few. But there are still so many innocent people trying to seek asylum in Australia, left stuck in limbo in detention centres or facing persecution or isolation in marginalised communities. We have to fight against our own country's horrific treatment of those who have already suffered enough. In a fair and just society, we should all have the right to be safe and live without fear of persecution or oppression. Fighting for Fair is a partnership between Mamma Mia and Morris Blackburn, Australia's leading social justice law firm. They believe that fairness is a universal right and to live in a fair and just society, we need to fight for the rights of others as much as our own. Next time on Fighting for Fair. A regular teenager given an extraordinary challenge. I didn't know whether I should join my sister and my uncle or stay in school and just be a normal teenager. Before I walked away from my uncle, he looked at me and he said, you may think you're on the land, but the land owns you. Kylie Sambo fights for her land and for future generations of Indigenous Australians. That's next week on Fighting for Fair. You can share these stories of social justice and help share Con's message of love and support for refugees in a couple of ways. Tell a friend about this podcast or share it with someone you think would like it via the sharing links on your podcast app. Subscribe to the show. This small act of support means we know we are getting the message out there. Rate it in iTunes. By leaving a rating and a review, it means more people can see this podcast pop up in the podcast charts. All of these things really do help us to get these incredible stories out there. Never forget the power of a story to create the change you want to see. I'm Corinne Grant, and this show was produced by Beth Gibson. Podcast concept created by Morris Blackburn. Executive producer of podcasts at Mamma Mia is Monique Bowley. Head of entertainment is Holly Wainwright.